Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the Real Estate Investing Foundation with Jason and Peely. Thank you again for coming and joining us. And today, we welcome the amazing Lauren Hardy. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hi, guys. Good. So a little about Lauren. Lauren Hardy is a real estate investor with a people-first approach to business. Uh, She founded Hardy Real Estate Investments LLC in 2012 with a mission to always operate with the highest degree of integrity and in devotion to taking care of her clients. Her focus for the last six years is always make the stressful process of selling a property as hassle-free as possible. And she's learned from years of experience the buying and selling of the property in a traditional way in the marketing isn't always the seller's best option. Today, Hardy REI's core focus is buying investment properties throughout Tennessee, Oklahoma, and Southern California, quite a mix. Lauren has developed a reputation in the industry for persevering in extremely competitive markets, and the key to this has always been because of her diligent work ethic, constantly monitoring the market changes and buying properties based on comparable sales versus speculation. Currently, uh, Lauren lives with her two daughters in Southern California, we're jealous here with another rainy, freezing day here in New Jersey, <laughs> and travels to our market territory, territories several times a year. Wow, welcome, Lauren. Hi. So, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And just to take this back, I mean, that's some interesting markets you've picked. And before we get into that, I mean, how did how'd you first get started? Well, I got started, um, it was about six years ago. I was working in corporate real estate. So, I have always worked in real estate since my first internship in college. And I worked the corporate sector. So I worked for a company that owned several buildings in um, Irvine. They're called the Irvine Company. If you live in my area, you definitely know who the Irvine Company is. Um, I I worked for Subway Restaurants and Development. And then I've also worked for um, other commercial real estate companies as well before that. So that was, um, I, I did the corporate eight to five. And it was all great and fine. I loved it until I had my daughter. And I realized that being an eight to five employee, having six, maybe seven days a year you're allowed to take off is really difficult when you have a little child. And I was, and not to mention my commute was really far. Like it took me about an hour to get to work every day. So I, I just was never seeing my daughter. I felt like I, I would see her for about an hour a day and then I'd have to put her to bed. And it was really hard. And I just got tired of that life. I really wanted to be there for the important moments of raising my daughter. And I knew that I just, I would, was willing to do anything to do that. Um, so long story short, my brother had been flipping houses a couple years before. And he was, you know, he was still just starting to get into it and and starting to really make some money at it. And he just suggested, I'm sorry for my dog. (laughs) Every once in a while, I'm going to have to interrupt and say, shut up, Ruby. (laughs) 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 Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. She's so, this is like that prime time of the day with the mailman walking her out. That's it. This is prime podcasting. Everything goes. So go for it. I know, right? This is real life. Exactly. Real life. So, 
anyway, um, my brother, you know, he was getting going at real estate and he just said, I, I was complaining one day and I was like, you know, I, I will do anything just to work from home, anything, you name it, I'll do it. And he was like, well, why don't you just try like what I do? I, you know, flipping houses. And I honestly had no interest in it at all. I did. I never was interested in flipping houses. I was never one of those people that watched HGTV and thought, oh, I've always wanted to do that. Like, did not care about flipping houses at all. But I just heard, wait, I could work from home. Okay, I'll do it. And the next day, like, my brother gave me some training courses that he had, like those CDs, you know, he had purchased some training course. It was actually, it was Mike Cantu's course. If you ever heard of that guy, he's great. Yes. I love this course. It's amazing. And I just devoured it. And I literally just said like, in t like two weeks later, once I got through the course and I, I went on bigger pockets, I did, you know, sort of got a understanding what is wholesaling real estate? What is flipping real estate? Nuts and bolts. How do you do it? How do you market for properties? I taught myself in like two weeks, just enough to just do the, you know, just to get going. And I just executed and I had no money. Um, I mean, I really, I had no money. I had a credit card. So I called up capital one and I was like, okay, I need to like increase my credit card limit. Yeah. And I think I had like $11,000 or something like credit card limit. Like, and I just put everything on my credit card. I just started the direct mail process. I bought lists and, um, you know, stamps and I would get like a letter writer and I would mail these letters to sellers. So I just, that's how I got started. Literally was just this small letter campaign, all funded from my credit card. So had you and, stopped, you had quit your job by then? And at that point, so you no, had jumped, no. No way. Okay. No, I, I, yeah. Again, I had no money. So yeah. I had to still work. Yeah. So my, um, I had to work. I kept my work, you know, my job, you know, and I just, um, I would answer the calls. I would let them go to my cell phone and then answer on my lunch break. So I would just boom, 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 answer calls, answer calls. And then I would come home from work. I'd play with my daughter, put her to bed. And then from like, say eight o'clock to 11 o'clock at night, I would just comp the houses out and get my offers prepared. And I would just educate myself. Like I would, you know, go on bigger pockets and listen to stuff. And I would listen to podcasts on my drive home. So like, I learned a lot from bigger pockets. I've got to say, like doing like those podcasts, like that's how I learned. Yeah. There she goes again, and that's because the mailman just came. I promise she'll be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. It's his mailman. He like goes all around the neighborhood, drives all the dog crazy. So. Uh, that's it. Anyway, so, yeah, so the, basically, that's how I got started. I just started this basic letter campaign. I'd work during the day. I'd handle the sellers during my lunch breaks, and then after work, um, I would do the comping and coming up with my offers. And then the next day, I would call the sellers and say, "Okay." here's what I'm going to offer you for your house. Do you want me to send this, this offer in the mail or email or whatever? And I would just do that. And then eventually I did get a deal. It took a while. It took me like three or four months to get my first deal. I was getting really discouraged. And a lot of people have that problem. They're, they start and they're like, why have I not gotten my first deal? It's been two weeks. Yeah. And I'm like, believe it or not, like this business is actually really hard. <laughs> and it took me, um, Four months to get my first deal and my brother and I agreed that we would do it together so he would teach me you know the whole nuts and bolts of flipping a house are you and, still doing uh, your brother today 
No, no. We parted ways after we did like two deals together. And then I was like, peace, I'm ready to go on my own. There you go. <laughs> you know? He was cool with that. That was always the plan. It was never like, you know, that I would be his partner or anything. Got it. Um, so yeah, we, um, so yeah, I did that. I did that one. You know, we flipped that one. I still kept my corporate job because, you know, I needed, I needed a paycheck. Um, I did another deal that year. And at that point, those deals were really good. So I actually had made my salary just on the side. Like, and I was like, okay, like that's, awesome right like I don't need you know and then I had my baby so I was oh I was pregnant by the way at this time wow so I have seconds I had my one -year -old. yeah yeah I forgot to add that I was I had my one-year-old and then I was like when I started I had just I was newly pregnant and then by the time I like locked up the second deal I was having my second child so I decided I would take a maternity leave and decide whether I want to go back to work at the end of it so we so should I ask a question here to, to everybody listening so if you're busy and have excuses, what is your excuses past having a, having a kid, a full-time job, doing things on our lunch break, mailing and having a baby on the way, what can you top that with that you don't have time to do real estate? Because Lauren's doing it and yes. did it. So you can get out there and do it too. Boom. Yeah. So. yeah. You know, when you want something bad enough, like you'll do it. And I just was so tired of the eight to five grind. And my daughter was like, I just missed her so much. I mean, I would see her literally one hour a day and I just felt like this is no way to raise a child. And I just wanted it bad enough. And if you want it bad enough, you will find an hour or three extra a day that you didn't know you had. So yeah, so that's basically like what, you know, how it all started. And then of course I chose to, after I took advantage of my maternity leave benefits, I quit my job. <laughs> so. What was your role at uh, the corporate real estate job? What, what were you doing? It was the last job I had was um, project management for tenant improvement um, projects in um, like office buildings. So like, for example, an office building or an industrial building gets a tenant like a law firm and they want to build out the office. We, we own those buildings. So we had to project manage the work they did just to make sure they don't mess up our buildings. So it was a job like that. It was just a project management job. This is yeah. so incredible. I'm going to, uh, I just, for some reason, this popped in my head, a hashtag that you like to use is this mom flips and yeah. like just your story. It's just like, that's, it gives me so much hope for just like mothers or really busy people out there that think that they can't get into this business. And here you are, and I'm going to repeat this again. I know Jason just said it. Yeah. You're, you're a mother, you have two daughters, you're working your butt off on your job, you're, you push it and you push through and you, you're making a business for yourself, for your daughters, for your future. I mean, if that's not, if that's not amazing, I don't know what is. That's amazing, Lauren. Thank you for sharing that. And so you oh took God. your first two deals and they were wholesales, correct? Yeah. No, they were flips. They were flips. Awesome. So yeah, you, your brother was helping you on that. Great. Have, were yeah, you, have you basically started flipping and carried flipping the whole time? Yeah. So first those two were flips. So I learned the end, you know, ins and outs of that. And then um, I started wholesaling which I think wholesaling is a wonderful way to get your feet wet because it's such low risk. So then when I decided to go more on my own, I started wholesaling a little bit and I found a company that does, you know, a ton of flips every year. 
And they really, um, I made really good friends with like one, the main acquisition guy. And he sort of just, he really like in the process of me wholesaling homes to him or them, he taught me so much in that. And so I would say the next year was almost me exclusively. I would flip a little bit and then I'd also wholesale to them. And so I was learning and doing, and it, it was, it was good. I was learning by doing basically. So that was sort of the next year, two years was sort of just still kind of in this growth period. I mean, I do see some people who like go into this business and within one year they do like 50 deals. And I don't know how those people to me are aliens. Like, I don't know who, how they do it. That was not my story at all. And, and I think that's okay. <laughs> so I'm okay. I, I, you know, six years later, I think I'm starting to figure it out. <laughs> Good. Well, let, let's talk about that. How has your business now evolved uh, over the last couple of years? Yeah. So, I mean, man, it's evolved a lot. I, I, I started in uh, Southern California, extremely competitive market. And I was seeing that the market was getting so hot and so competitive that I needed to find another market out of state. I had that on my mind that this is getting really tough. There's a lot of new competition, new blood in the business. Um, and now it's even starting to get where everybody wants to flip a house. Like just normal people want to flip houses. Um, your Those hairdresser. Get those normal uh, people out of here. Yep. Get those normal people. Like your hairdressers, like I'm gonna, I just took a seminar and I'm gonna flip houses now. Like it's just gotten where there's so much competition here. So I knew I needed to find a secondary market. And I went on vacation to Nashville and I thought like Nashville's cool. I knew like nothing about Nashville other than like it looked cool. <laughs> and I and it just like a lot of people like Nashville. So I was like okay, I'm on vacation. I'm in Nashville. I might as well sort of look at like some flip houses that have gone down here. And so I pulled a list on REI source and I just pulled, um, like, uh, houses that have been cash purchases by LLC. So I knew like those are flippers, like that are doing those deals. And I just drove them. Like I would just go to this address and like, just kind of see what it looked like. And I noticed that I was really confused because these houses were brand new. And I was like, why, like, what is going on? This is so weird. Cause like every house was a brand new house and it would be like an old neighborhood with homes built in the 1920s to the 1940s. And then there would be like two tall, skinny, brand new homes next to them. And I was super confused. So I, I saw a construction crew outside one of them. So I got out of my rental car and I was like, hey, like, why are there all these new houses around here? I'm really confused. And they looked at me like I was just an idiot. They're like, do you not know what's going on in this town? Like, this is like, we're like the number one real estate market right now. Like, we're going through a huge boom. Um, people are scraping these old homes and building two in their place. Like, Nashville is like this hot area. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I want to do that. Like, that sounds cool. And I just talked to this guy. I, I just talked to this like guy and he was like, well, let me show you some of my projects. I have a few of them in this neighborhood. So I, I saw him and I was like, he gave me the, I, like the timeline of what it, like how long it takes to build a brand new house and just the process. And it's much easier than I had thought. I mean, just new development seemed like such a big thing. Like I just, you know, and then he, when he, but when he broke it down to small pieces, I thought, okay, that's not that much different than flipping a house. 
So um, next thing you know, I'm bugging him like on the phone. I would call him like every couple weeks. Like, is there any lots available? Like, have you any deals like, you know, that you've seen? And he eventually put me together with a wholesaler and I bought a lot and we built our first two homes there in Nashville. Awesome. And um, then we bought another one and did it again. I'm so. hearing this like repetitive thing that's happening to you. So first you have your brother and yeah. you're like, I need to get out. Do you have any suggestions? So you get into house flipping and then you find somebody to start wholesaling to and he becomes your mentor. And then you go into Nashville and you just, it seems like you're attracting these mentors to you. And we're really big on mentorship here. So how do you feel these mentors have, have pushed you forward and helped you along the way? I think the biggest, uh, the biggest, um, you know, thing, emotion that has stopped me in my, my success over and over again is fear. And when you have a mentor or, a, you know, call them a mentor, a person, a friend who is not very much different than you, maybe the same age or close in age, and you see them doing these amazing things, well, why can't you do those amazing things? And it, it just gives, it gave me courage, most of all, to see these people do it and go, okay, if they can do it, so can I. And, you know, it, it's, why couldn't you? So that's, yeah, I mean, it's so important to find somebody that you, re that's relatable to you, that you can, you know, follow in their footsteps and kind of eliminate some of the fear. So. Nice. And the new construction, you're doing all new construction <clears throat> now in uh, Nashville? No. So the market's changed quite a bit. I got into the new construction almost sort of like, I feel like at the later stage, it probably would have been better if I started doing it a year before, but um, I did a few of those projects and then I, but that did get me to just go full blown in Nashville. So I started a direct mail campaign. I started marketing in Nashville pretty heavily. Um, and so we did a lot of wholesales last year in Nashville. That was kind of, I would do a mix of the wholesales. I built a few homes and flipped a couple homes. And when you're saying um, we, that, that's, uh, is, do you have a team built out there or what, what is we consistent of? Well, I, I did, not anymore. But yeah, when I say we, like I have, um, so my main person that I have, a, I call him a sales manager. He's my right hand man. I hired him first as an assistant about two years ago. And now it's just we, it's like we do everything together now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but it, I did have, I did try to do this scaling and hire a team and hire an acquisition manager and a hire a lead manager. If, if anybody that's listening to this has gotten involved in any of those maybe higher level mastermind groups, they, they discuss this model. And I tried that model. It didn't work for me very well. And so I have gone back to maybe a hybrid of that model and what also I found has worked for me. Uh, but I did do that. I had a couple employees out there. It just didn't work. I couldn't really, it was too hard to manage them from a distance. So discuss your hybrid model. How, how are you able to have these out of state markets and, and function? People so, seem to be so scared about out of state, um, which if you're not prepared, of course, can be a horrible, horrible idea. However, if you are prepared, if you're in a certain market, you know, California or others where it's very competitive can be super lucrative. So t tell us yeah. about your process, how you help people along that, that guideline, they get more comfortable with this idea. 
Right. So, um, you know, the first, I, there's, there, I mean, I could probably give you a checklist, you know, <laughs> like what to do first and second. Um, people is everything. Like, the, the people aspect is huge. Um, I tried having employees or acquisition managers where their sole that that was their job was to work for me, Lauren Hardy, and get deals. And that didn't work. Um, I couldn't find anybody motivated. They would say they were working, but they really weren't. I would find out that they weren't going on the meetings they said they were going on. And I just, I went through that so many times. I just said, forget it. Um, in California, I have always tied deals up over the phone. I have never been one to like talk to a seller and not give them an offer and instead meet them first. I, I you were talking about traffic on the, on the 405, like I am not going to sit through an hour of traffic on the 405 to deliver an offer to a no. seller just so I can get them to like me, like in person. I just know. So I'm good on the phones. I can get them to like me on the phones and feel comfortable. And I always, so I learned, I said, why do I need a guy in Nashville? Like, why can't we just do it in house so then I can manage the person? Like I can see that they're coming in and they're, you know, they're coming in on time and they're leaving and we can meet in person and collaborate. And so I fired everybody from a distance and now it's, I took acquisitions back on myself with um, my sales manager. Like we did a kind of a combination I really trained him and then now he's just doing the acquisitions, but he's here with me in Orange County. So he does it over the phone, just like me um, or how I used to. And that has worked better. Now the people we have out of state, we do have boots on ground, but they don't work solely for me. Um, I like that first of all, because I don't worry about wage and hour lawsuits. So I never have to worry about somebody saying, you know, you 1099 me when I should have been W2. No, fine. Um, another thing, you know, I like about it is like, for example, here are the people you're going to need. You're going to need a really good realtor that's willing to work for you. That's willing to go drive by a house to check it out and tell you if he thinks you should buy it and show you all the comps and even get you maybe an assistant account. So you have access to the MLS in that territory. So I found a realtor that I said, okay, listen, like I'll give all my listings go to you. I just need that assistant account and I'll pay for the assistant account. So that's like an important number one relationship to have is like trusty realtor. Um, then you have your contractor and that's, that can be very difficult. I just recently, I mean, I believe me, I've been kicked in the face with this. Like two weeks ago, I had a contractor that I was trying out in Oklahoma, ripped me off $10,000. So they, it happens. <laughs> it's, this is difficult, but you have to go in it expecting that these things are going to happen. So How with you that- correct from the contractor? Because a lot of people, yeah. that's another scary thing is that, oh, if I hire a contractor, I'm going to give them money. So how do you course correct from that? Or what's an actual step you're going to try or take? Yeah. So you learn what you did wrong. You know, you go, okay, what did I do wrong? What were some of the warning signs? What were some, okay. So what I learned there was like, you know, I need somebody inspecting the contractor's work on a regular basis. I need to pay somebody like 50 bucks a pop to just go drive to the house, look at what the contractor's supposed to be doing and seeing if it's done correctly. And if it's not done, Lauren doesn't pay them a dime. So I don't trust photos anymore. 
because this contractor would take blurry photos and make it look like something was done well. And then in real life, it was not done well at all. So it's a good point. You can always take that photo just slightly off that area. That's not done. And just, it looks great right (laughs) here, but like one foot away is like, this, like a, like a burst pipe. So yeah, totally. totally. And so, um, so what I have now, the system that I've got going on and I have a similar in Oklahoma and in, Nashville, pretty similar is you got a real good realtor, you got a a contractor or three that you've, you know, you can trust by trial and error. That's the only way to find out is trial and error. You just have to, you try it out. If it doesn't work out, don't wait too long to fire them. Don't keep burning money, you know, just, just pull the plug. You're fired. Put another contractor in there as soon as possible. So, um, my realtor checks on my contractor. So my realtor gets paid like a hundred bucks. I pay um, him a hundred dollars and he actually, he'll get the invoice from the contractor and make sure like everything is done before I issue payment. So, and he sends me pictures and the contractor sends me pictures. So I get two sets of pictures now from both of them. So that's a really good way. It's just kind of having a checks and balances. Like there's always like somebody has to check on the other person. Well, so because I, the realtor is also involved because the realtor wants the house to be done because it's the listing exactly. and the commission. Right. Perfect. Exactly. So that's really all you need. And then, um, okay. Another position that's great to have is just a picture taker. Um, I like uh, the two people that we've had the best luck with are like a young, really new realtor. That's like super hungry and just needs some spare cash because he hasn't really collected too many commissions yet. So I will pay that person 45 to $60 a pop. Uh, when we get a con, so they do two things. It's either when we already get a contract in, we say, Hey, um, Alex, can you go just go to this address, um, shake the seller's hand, take some photos and just let them know we might be back for a more formal inspection or this might just be it. And so that's sort of how we get our wholesale photos to be able to market. So that's like that cool. It cost me 45 bucks, right? Like versus like hiring an employee at $3,000 a month, you know? So, um, so that's cool. That that's a great situation. Another thing that he does sometimes is like, you know, when you have an older seller and they don't really work email and you need them to sign the contract. So I'll say, Hey, Alex, can you get down there today and take this contract and get her to sign it and take pictures. And so that's, you know, that, that there's my acquisitions person. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a person to just go there, you know, but it's me on the phone, you know, really doing the negotiating or now my sales manager. You know? So how'd you find Alex? Like, how do you like, cause people, they have a hard time finding these people maybe just cause they're not looking in the right spot. So what's the suggestion of finding someone like that? So, you know, I used to say Craigslist for some things, but man, I have, got, I have found some shady people on Craigslist. So I am like, stay off of Craigslist. <laughs> just get off of there. I, I, I don't recommend Craigslist anymore. Um, real estate, like real estate investment, Facebook groups are great. That's a great way. So like find your local real estate investment, Facebook group. There's usually like two or three in every major area. Um, I found Alex on that. And, um, there's a lot of like newbie, like investors, or there's realtors that want to work with investors there. So that's the like amazing spot. Um, honestly, Facebook, like I've, 
I found my realtor who gave me the MLS access on Facebook through Justin Williams program. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's like Facebook has been like amazing because you, you know, you get people that are connected with people and you start feeling comfortable because you're like, okay, well they know that person that I know. They're, you know, probably and not. You can, you can check on them and see, you can call those people that are like, you know, message those people that yeah. know them. Oh, have you ever worked with this person? No, Facebook's been amazing. So has mm -hmm. Justin Williams is a, a yeah. mentorship program. Totally. So um, I would do that. And like another person was just a, a friend said, Hey, you should use, uh, you know, my, my brother-in-law, he's in real estate, he's an agent, you know, he'd love to work with you sometime. And I was like, yeah, funny. I need somebody to actually take some photos like this week. Like maybe he'll just do that. And I just gave him a shot and he ended up being amazing. And, you know, so it's just, you know, I think Facebook and word of mouth is like the best way to find these kind of people. So what's something today you're working on to, to grow your business? Um, right now. Okay. So my big focus right now is we just, so we left Nashville as far as I left spending money in Nashville. I, the Nashville's market got so hot that the cost per deal is just getting to where it's superseding the actual profit of the deal. Okay. So I just, after I, I made some money in Nashville, said, okay, done here. I'm, I tried Oklahoma. So I'm in Oklahoma right now. So really the big focus right now for me is rebuilding the, you know, building the Oklahoma territory um, and fix and flipping. I really want to focus more on fix and flipping in Oklahoma. I think that there's a lot of opportunity for, for me. So, and I have the right people in place. So now it's just um, raising more money, honestly, like that's been my thing right now. I've been kind of emailing people like for money, asking for money. So, <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit more about that. How do you raise money? I, um, so Facebook, I, I, I talk about what I do on Facebook a lot and people are curious and when a lot of people will ask me questions like, you know, I've been interested in flipping houses or, you know, I have some money. I don't really know what to do with it. Maybe we can partner on something. Um, I, I've flat out asked on Facebook, Hey, does anybody have money they want to invest in this project with me? And I have found, um, old high school friends who have money, you know, their parents have money. Um, it, a lot of it's just friends and family. And so how do uh, you, if a, if a new investor or even like even seasoned investors have this difficulty, what do you tell investors that have the difficulty of asking for money? Like it's, how do you, what are their, how do you get over that objection? Like as in kind of an embarrassment, like embarrassment or just don't want to deal with having to ask for money. It's so much easier just to go to a lender. Like how yeah. do you, how do you get over that fear of asking? Well, you bring up a good point about going to a lender. So it is always good to have a hard money lender in your back pocket. And I use hard money all the time. I think it's a cost of doing business. And I am so thankful for the hard money lenders in my life. Um, but you do need gap funds to finish a project. So I, one of the things that you need, to, you need to change your thought process here. If you know anything about hard money lending, these people are just brokers and they find the people with the money who, you know, the, like say the, the rich doctor, the rich uncle that just has money and they don't really know what to do with it. And they've got some of it in Wall Street. They've got some of it here, some of it there. Some of it's just sitting in a money market account, like making 1%. Um, 
Um, so you've got, you know, that, and then you've got this hard money lender who, these are companies that go find these people for you and they only offer them like 6%. And these people are like, yeah, that's great. Well, the way I look at it is like, here I am over here, let's skip this middleman. I'll offer you 10%. In fact, if you do 100% of the project and I don't have to pay you interest payments until the project closes, I'll give you 12%. Because that's exactly what I'm paying that hard money lender. So like, I might as well just give it all to you skip that guy. No offense, hard money lenders. I just talked to I just talked you up, but this is how I get over that thought process of like, well, there's a lot of people that invest with these hard money lending companies. Why don't you just cut out the middleman and come to me? They're, they're doing it because there's a reason they're doing it. It's, it's a great investment. I mean, 10 to 12% fully secured to an asset. That's the key thing, a fully secured investment. And that's, that you're not going to find that everywhere. No. So I know from experience, the people that have invested with me, they keep coming back. So, so what there you go. basically it's the, it's having that correct conversation, letting them know that their, their money is secured by an asset letting, and then getting over the, your own mindset. And having a track record. I, you've exactly. been successful. You, you show your projects, you're talking yeah. about what you're doing and, and you're coming through with your investors because they're repeat customers. So yeah, you, you do have to go out there and show you can do it. Um, maybe people will believe it from other things you've done in life or your consistency, but showing and having proof of the pudding and repeating definitely stands out. So yeah, great job. Yeah, I mean, a track record is super important, but what do you do if you don't have a track record? I would say you get, you, you take a property and you make it a presentation. So you have a property and you show like, here are the comps I got from this in, um, realtor who has a lot of experience and they think this property is worth X and look at this property's price. I have it for it's 70% of, of that value. I mean, right, Mr. Investor, that's pretty good. How could you lose here? And then here's my general contractor's bid, you know, showing, you know, on paper, this is this amount. So you just show him, listen, I know this is my first one, but like, look at the numbers here. I have this much in profit room. I mean, how could we lose? Um, and then if the investors are, if you're still having a really hard time, then partner with people, partner with someone like me who's done deals before, partner with someone like you that's done deals before, do three of those, until there's your track record. Like, cool, did three, one, two, three, check, now start raising money, you have a track record now. So, um, or like, use your wholesales too, like wholesale to people and be like, well, look at this wholesale I did. Like to an investor, that's a track record. Yeah, 100%. And so where do you see your business now transpiring over the next five years? Um, I really want to um, get Oklahoma built up and I, I think that's a pretty stable market where I'll be able to stay for a while. Um, I would like to come back to California if it cools off. I do have some projects right now in California. So I do get like a residual, like three random projects in California since I've totally stopped marketing. I still get like random ones here and there from referrals or someone who saved my postcard from two years ago. <laughs> it, so, happens. I mean, it happens. It happens. Right. It happens. I literally just bought, there was a, I did a six property portfolio from a guy that saved my card like from two years ago. I mean, it was like, wow, that's mm -hmm. so six deals in one because he saved my card. Um, so, you know, I want to, but I would love to be back. I mean, I miss, 
I miss the face-to-face -face interaction with my contractors out here. And I love like my people that I work with out here. So I would love to do more in California when it, I think when the market cools down, I'll definitely, you know, get back into more California stuff. So do you feel like you've reached that, that point of freedom that you were searching when you first started? Oh yeah. I mean, I de I definitely, you know, have like the most amazing work-life balance. I, I think you could ask for. Um, I take my kids to school in the morning. I pick them up or sometimes I don't and I have the nanny do it <laughs> or, you know, but they come in they're here and they see me and you know, I, Hey, I'm still working right now, but at least I get to see them. Um, I can go to the gym in the middle of the day. I can take care of myself, my body, my mind. I, and sometimes, you know, when you work a corporate job, like you just, you can't do those things because you don't have the time. So I have, a, I mean, I definitely have the work-life balance. Um, I've been able to generate, you know, more money than I ever made working for anybody. So, you know, that's, that's you know, I would say an, an extra bonus. But honestly, my first reason I got into this business was not for the money. It was purely for lifestyle. Well, I love it because I, I always tell people one of my favorite things about this business is that my children get sick. I can yep. stop and just like have them at home and take care of them, maybe work a little bit, but I, I, we get to take care of our kids. I mean, speaking from parent to parent, that's like, that's gold right there. That's gold. Yeah. I, yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's where it's funny that you brought up the, this mom flips and you sort of mm -hmm. got what that meant. And it, I got, I, I came up with that little like, you know, funny Instagram name Great and hashtag. And I, and it was, it, it's because like this, it is chaotic working from home, having your business at home, flipping houses and all the things that come up on a weekly basis. I mean, some of the, like just the drama of flipping houses, like contractor stole 10 grand. The contractor also moved into the house. I had to tell him to leave. Like evicting people, you know, I first, the, this mom flips though, the story behind that was I had actually gotten sued and it was totally frivolous. It was not something I did. It was like one of those nightmares, you know, that like you all flippers sort of like worry is going to happen to them one day. It was a title lawsuit. Um, and I was like, when I got served, like my little daughter, like, so I opened up the door and this guy hands me this like huge lawsuit. And I'm like, I mean, I'm about to like drop dead. I was so stressed out. Couldn't believe that it just happened. I mean, I was like blindsided by the thing. And I turn around and my daughter, like she's like three years old, you know, and you know how three-year-olds are, like they don't care. And it's like, she's just like, what's that? And I'm just like, I don't know. And like, <laughs> and she's just like, can you um, make a rocket ship out of that box over there? Like, like that's literally like what, what she said right there. And I'm holding this lawsuit and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm still, so, I'm like, I'm like, and the room is spinning and I'm like hacking at this box, like with scissors, like, trying to like turn it into a rocket ship. And I'm like, I get, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my God. I'm going to die. I just got sued. I'm going to lose my house. Like I was just like, freaking out and like after some time i just like came up came in my head this mom flips because it's like it's such a dual meeting and a play on words 
Um, so but yeah, I mean, that is, even though you had those lawsuit papers, you probably built a mighty fine rocket ship, no matter what. No, it was terrible, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so like, it was all my rage on this yeah. box. Yeah, not a good rocket ship at all. But, oh, no, that. but that's, I mean, that that is the business. Yeah. And that's life. And just, you know, this business has possibly cut my life expectancy 10 years. But <laughs> I mean, at least I'm, I'm really living my life well, honestly, you know, so I love it. So someone who wants that freedom life balance is looking to get their real estate career off uh, just the ground and get moving or just really take it from doing a couple deals and still stuck in their job. What's an actual step they can take today to really just get going? So I would say first things first, you got to educate yourself. I mean, if you don't know the first thing about wholesaling or real estate or flipping or how the business works or how to find properties, I mean, you're going to get gobbled up alive. So the first thing I would do is do some research and buy a course. I, I don't go crazy and buy a $25,000 course, like buy like a reasonably priced under a thousand dollars course that has some good reviews, maybe, you know, go on bigger pockets, ask, ask people, Hey, what's a good course for a beginner start there. So you just learn the nuts and bolts. I mean, you can't do anything without that. And, um, then, you know, when don't get to a point where you become like in this analysis paralysis, like pick what you want to do. If you're going to be a wholesaler, just, okay, what do I need to do to be a wholesaler? Steps one through five and just do it. Like just, go. Um, and if, if, if what you're doing is not working after a month, adjust and then keep going. And if it's still not working out, out after a month, maybe pay somebody like me uh, or you, you know, who's been doing it for five, six, seven years, whatever, and, and ask them for consulting and just say, hey, you know, I'll pay you 300 bucks for an hour of your time. Can you tell me what I'm doing wrong? Um, they'll probably tell you real quick what you're doing wrong, you know, listen, adjust, keep going keep after a while and keep going, listen, keep going. Keep going. do <laughs> go. So yeah, I mean, that's what I would say. If it's not working, you've got to get help. Do not be stubborn about it. You have to ask somebody, what am I doing wrong? Don't be afraid to write them a check. That if anything, you're going to get better information. I've had people do this for me. I mean, they will come to me and, you know, say, Hey, Lauren, what am I doing wrong? And I'm like, listen, um, I'm really busy. I've got two kids. Like it's going to cost you like, my <laughs> and I just say, Hey, this is the cost for an hour of my time, but I'll sit and I will tell you everything I, I know candidly, I will not hold back. And I'll tell you, I'll probably find a few of the things that are stopping you. And um, that's, I think, the best. That's what I did. And then eventually I started doing deals. So that's great. And just think, everyone, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, you just got at least, at least $300 worth of knowledge to like right now. There you just go. last like 40 minutes. Yep. You can mail the check to. You can yeah, mail the check so. to Lauren Hardy at. <laughs> Love it. No, they should mail a check to you and I just get like a percentage. Oh, there we go. And your wholesale. <laughs> no page. checks necessary. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So you have any Don't words you live by? Do I have any what? Words that you live by? Words that I live by. Oh my gosh. Well, I am a quote junkie, but let me think of what I got. I can't think of you. 
Pick a few. Okay, well, you know what's so funny? I just looked over here and I have a card, and it's um, and it's a fun, It has a funny quote. It says, "Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving." And I I do live my life by that. Um, it, with every setback I've had, which I've had a lot of setbacks, I am not that person that started flipping houses, bought a course, the next month bought my first six deals. I hear these stories sometimes on bigger pockets, like, oh, I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then I just bought five rentals, and the rest is history, and now I do 100 deals a year. Like, I hate those people. <laughs> I, that is not, first of all, I don't know if it's a bunch of BS, like maybe it is, I don't know, but that is not my story. I started from nothing, barely, like my first year, I made money. My second year, I didn't make a dime. And I worked every single day and I just kept falling on my face, but life's like a bicycle. You just have to keep moving. And I did, I just kept, I refused to give up. I mean, like no matter what, like I got sued and then I was like, Oh my God, this is so scary. Like I just want to crawl a hole and hide from this business. But no, I had to just, I got through the lawsuit, took two years, but I got through it. Um, I mean, you just, it, you just can't give up. You just have to keep going. So, and I believe me, I mean, I'd had a very tough time in, in this business in the last six years. So, but it's Thank like, you. I don't know, every year's better. Every year it keeps getting better and better. And I, you know, so it's worth it. And you're with your daughters. So exactly. There you go. Work-life balance. I've got the best work-life balance. So that's, you know, the most important thing. So I have a feeling you already know the answer to this question, but what is your big why? Uh, yep, you got it. <laughs> it's, you know, it's my, it's my daughters. Um, uh, my biggest why, and if, you know, again, just talking about people in your, in your life and not to just kind of sound like a cheesy motivational speaker, but, um, you know, in my life, I've had some personal setbacks. I'm divorced. I'm a single mom now. I wasn't when I started this business. So I also, you know, been through a lot. And um, my biggest why right now is that although me and my kids are, you know, there we have two houses, and I really, really, really wanted that every day, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm the person that picks my kids up from school and they stay with me until their dad gets home from work. And then when it's, you know, his nights, he picks them up and does the sleepover at his house. And then again, you know, they go to school, they see me, boom, I pick them up again the next day. So when um that is almost it's almost feels like we're not in two houses because i see them you know five day monday through friday consistently and they have that consistency so that is a huge huge why if i had to go back and get a job i would probably not see my kids very much and that would be very devastating to me so that's my why well thank you for that and yeah. this has been a lot of fun. So, yeah. so enlightening. So just, I mean, this has touched uh, exactly me and so many different aspects of, of how we're running our life. So, so yeah, if listeners are like to connect with you, what's the best way? Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, I am, I do want to start the This Mom Flips blog. I've been saying it for like two years. Do it. And yep. <laughs> eventually I will. And I, I would like to um, be able to, you know, reach out to people in that way. And that blog might, that blog and, and maybe get more into the, you know, 
talking more about mom work-life balance versus it, it's not going to be like a real all real estate. I mean, it's more just juggling work-life balance. Um, but yeah, I mean, find me on Facebook or shoot me an email. We can put the email in your show notes, I guess. Yes, please. Uh, so yeah, whatever email. So we Facebook. Have, we have an action Bye. step for for Lauren here. But the next time we talk to her, we're going to be announcing her new blog, This Mom Flips. Love it. So You're get on, on now. that. Yep. I have to do. Wow. I know. I have yes. to do it. <laughs> I have been. You know, like I said, it is really. I, I mean, I admire you guys. It's really hard to put yourself out there. There are so many online trolls and like, I like literally like, for example, I just posted that like, I'm buying bunnies for like Easter and I had no idea how many people are passionate about bunnies and like bunny cruelty and like, how many people were like, don't buy bunnies, adopt, don't shop. And like, I'm just like, it makes you not want to put yourself out there. Yeah. In, <laughs> yeah, in New Jersey, nobody cares. Yeah, so cares. there's bunnies in our backyard. We'll just go. Yeah, yeah. So. pick one up. Totally, but yeah, it's hard to put yourself out there, and so that's my my fear is like me stopping. But you know what? I need to listen to myself. Like I said, I need to find a mentor that's put themselves out there, like you guys, you know, and maybe you mentor me in that way of just get over yeah. that fear and you know share your ideas to the world because really when you share your ideas, I mean, you're just, you're reaching so many people and helping. And that's, you know, really what I want to do. It's this idea isn't to make money. I mean, it's just kind of like a creative outlet for me. So I need to just go ahead and do it. You're going to do it. And I, and I'm telling the listeners out there, if you're listening to this podcast, I'd say maybe, let's say about 50 podcasts from now, we're going to have Lauren back on here. Yeah. We'll be announcing her, her blog. Yeah, we can yeah. dive a little more into market metrics, and uh, that would be a good one to talk talk back on why you chose Oklahoma on the next show for sure. Okay, yeah, oh, absolutely, we could definitely talk about that. Good. So, well, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so thank much you for joining us today, Lauren. This has been so insightful, and thank you to everyone else out there. We're so grateful that you came on the show today. This is the Real Estate Investing Foundation with Jason and Peely. Thank you again for listening. Bye now. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.